Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. How y'all doing today, Lifehouse fam? You doing good? We want to say one more time, welcome to our first time guests. Can we just one more time give it up for all of our first, second, or third time guests here with us today? Please make sure you fill out that card and turn that into us because we want to give you a free gift. And uh, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us to, today. We are honored that you are here with us. Uh, so we are starting a brand new sermon series today called Get Ready. Turn to someone and say, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Um, you know, I sometimes struggle, uh, candid moment here. Uh, struggle with what my job is. You're like, that's weird. No, but it's like, honestly, it's like sometimes I, I can kind of get in this whole, like, what, what am I really, like, as a pastor, what, what, you know, what is my job description and tale? Because, I mean, honestly, I think you've probably got an idea of what I should be doing. Um, you've got a job description for me that maybe I don't know, <laughs> right? Um, you know, counselors, so I'd be counseling, I'd be preaching, leadership development, being everyone's friend. Uh, you know, it's like, what, what exactly is not just my job, but also, you got a cowboy shirt on? Okay, we got a cowboy jersey. I don't know who you are, but welcome to Lifehouse. The Jaguars are playing. You, you today. I, I just want you to get a nice, good look at that right there. Right. <laughs> nice, good look at that right there. I'm sorry. I just got distracted. <laughs> distracted. Welcome. Welcome. You got the the double star jersey on, man. That, that, that's my favorite jersey, bro. Emmett, Emmett Smith jersey. Give it up for him, man. Coming up in here with that cowboy jersey on. We're a church for all people, even cowboy fans. Right? No, but but like what what is my job, right? And so I have really had to say, all right, I'm not gonna go by 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 what culture tells me, by, 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 you know, by what Christian culture tells me, by what people's expectations of, of me are. Let me, let me actually find like what my job is in scripture. And basically Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, not just for myself, but all church, church leaders, this kind of thing kind of explains for us um, what kind of our job description is summed up in I think three different words. It, it says this, so Christ himself, Gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip. Everyone say equip. To equip his people, the church, uh, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be what? Built up until we all reach what? Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we, the church, will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by everyone of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people. Uh, in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. That's very important, speaking the truth in love, right? Because truth without love wounds people. Love without truth en enables people. You've got to have both, right? You need to speak truth, but you need to speak it in love, but you can't just have love and just say, I love everything and I love everybody. There's going to be times where you're going to have to speak some hard truth, but it is so well said whenever it's done in love, right? 
Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I see three things here that really I'm called to do. Every single group leader here, team leader here at Life Falls, we're called to do. We're called to, to really do three things for you. First off is equip you. We're called to put tools in your hands to accomplish the purpose that God has for you. Because, dude, tr truth is you've got a purpose and plan for your life, and the church should not coddle you. We should equip you. We should say, what tools are we going to put in your hands to help you accomplish the purpose of God for your life? So we want to put tools in your hands. That's why we offer you life groups and dream teams um, different things to, to put tools in your hands to help you accomplish what God has ultimately called you to do. Second, though, unity. It's, it's a, you know what, like we are called to help unify people. I don't know if anybody's been in church here for a little while. Church isn't really known for its unity. It's known for its divisiveness. It's known for, for its people wanting to do what they want to do. So one of, you know, personally, my job, leaders' jobs at this church is we are called to help unify people towards a common vision, a common purpose, and unify people so we will have people that do what? We have synergy, meaning we're all working towards the same goal, the same purpose, the same mission, taking all of our broken parts, all of our weird idiosyncrasies, all of our weird personalities, all of our weird backgrounds, and saying we're in this for one purpose. And what that purpose is at this church is we want to help all people experience life change through Christ. So, so basically, the bottom line is this. We're going to do whatever it takes besides sinning to help all people experience life change through Christ. Yesterday, we set up at a craft beer bash. Lifehouse tent. We had church invitations. We were giving out Lifehouse koozies. And we were saying, yo, we're here. You want to talk? You want to come to church tomorrow? What you doing? Why? Because we want to just not say, come, you know, come here. We want to go where people are. So we're going to go out. We're going to be in the, you know, we're going to be in the community. We're going to do whatever it takes without sitting out. Now, now, here's the thing. We weren't there guzzing down beers. We weren't there taking shots with people. We weren't there doing none of that stuff. Oh, we're just trying to reach people. No, that's, that's called being a bad influence. We are, we are there saying, look, do you want to have a conversation about you? You want to come to church? Do you have been to church? No, 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 no. I love you too. I hate the Cowboys. It's all good, man. We love Jesus though. You know, but even if you're a Cowboy fan, you're, you're welcome at our church. We're building relationship with people. Why? Because we need to build a bridge. And that only happens when we go to where people are. So we've said we'll do whatever we got to do to help see people experience life change through Christ without sinning. Right? So we need to equip people, unify people. But then here's the last one, mature people. And this is the one where I think is probably the hardest one. Because if you've got kids, you understand. Like my goal is not to, like my, my goal is to raise up people so they can care for themselves. Right? It's, it's like I'm called to help mature people, to help people say, I don't need somebody else feeding me. I can feed myself. Actually, I can now feed somebody else. Right? You know, because it's like the, the bottom line is this, like, you know, if, if, if my even seven-year-old son said, yo, I need you to pour me a drink. Well, then what if he was 13? And he's like, yo, can you pour me cereal? Like, there's some, something not right here. I'm raising my son up to get him out. 
I'm raising him up to equip him, unify him, and what? Mature him so he can get to the point where he can be self-sufficient. And honestly, our jobs here, y'all, is we want to help you not to just be a lone ranger, but we want to help you become self-sufficient in, in your faith to do what? Mature so you don't say, I'm not being fed. You can feed yourself. Where it's like you can say, I can read my own Bible. I can pray. Now, this takes time, and that's what we're here for. We ain't going nowhere. I'm here. I'm an open book. You need help, call me. You, I mean, it's like you need help. We got group leaders. Like, we are here for you. This is why we do what we do. We want to help you experience life change through Christ. We want to help you pray. We want to help you do those things. We want to help you grow in your walk with God. But ultimately, we want to more than anything just to just kind of see you draw from us. We want to see you get to the point where it's like, Pastor John, your sermons are awesome, amazing. Actually, you're the best preacher I've ever heard. But, but, let me tell you about what God is showing me and speaking to me in my private time. When I hear that, I'm like, maturity, maturity, maturity. When I hear people saying, I'm going to start a life group. You know what, just get, I'm just like, Hercules, 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 Hercules. It's like, that's the kind of stuff that gets me amped up is when people take ownership of their own faith and they become mature in the faith, not only self, not, not only leading themselves, but leading others. And here's the thing, our heart at this church, y'all, is to help mature you. We, we want to help you become everything that God has called you to be. Equip you, put tools in your hands, unify you around a common vision, and then we want to see you mature. Essentially what those three, three things encompass is we want to help you get ready. We want to help you get ready for whatever God has for you. So today we're going to start off, and we're going to start this Get Ready series. Um, so here we go. One of my favorite movies of all time is Forrest Gump. If you haven't seen Forrest Gump, please raise your hand. I love second service. Okay, we, will, we got a few. It's all right. Jesus still loves you. All right, you can go home, Netflix or something like that, watch it, okay? Forrest Gump is awesome. Uh, Forrest Gump is, 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 of course, about a guy named Forrest Gump, a fictionary char character that is special but has this incredible luck. I mean, he just has incredible things happen to him. And... Uh, so, so Forrest Gump has had, had you know, Forrest Gump house has somehow become this really deeply inspirational character, character that inspires so many movements. One of them being right there, there is this one scene where Forrest Gump says, I, I'm just going to go running. I, I, just, I just felt like running. I can do the Forrest Gump accent really, really well. I'll... Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Jenny. <laughs> Me and Jenny were like peas and carrots again. So, Forrest though, right? Forrest, he decides he's going to run. And he's just out running. And dude is just inspiring people. People, they're starting to just like run behind him. And you got people wanting quotes from him. Why are you doing this? You're doing this for world peace? Like, why are you running across the United States? This is amazing. And then Forrest goes, goes, he goes into this one city, and this, this older gentleman, he starts running with him, and he's like, hey, man, 
why are you running, man? And I mean, you know, this is awesome, man. Look, I'm in the bumper sticker business. I need you to give me a really inspirational, whoa! You just ran through a big pile of dog. It. And Forrest says this life-changing line. He goes, it happens. It happens. And the guy's like, yeah, it happens. Except he didn't say it. He added a shh at the beginning. And then he created a bumper sticker that said, it happens. It happens, and that has become a famous line. It happens. Maybe you've said it. Maybe you said it driving here. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, <laughs> how do you know that? <laughs> it happens, right? Listen, I mean, isn't there some truth in that line? It happens. Life happens. It happens. Whatever that it is, it happens. It, that, that, that is so true. We've even, we've even created a law for this. Murphy's Law. Have you ever heard of that? Murphy's Law says this. If something can go wrong, it will. And usually at the worst time. Isn't that life? It happens. Turn to someone and say, it happens. Now turn to your second choice and look them straight in the eye and say, even though you were my second choice to say this to, it happens. It happens. It happens. The truth is, it should not surprise us. It should not surprise you, followers of Christ. I don't care who you are. It should not surprise you when it happens. Um, even Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So you don't see that on Christian greeting cards. Hey, brother, just wanted to encourage you today. Just wanted to let you know, in this world, you will have trouble. That's not popular. It's not popular to say it doesn't matter if you're a follower of Christ or if you're not. If you are living on this planet, it will happen to you. It will. At some point in time, Murphy's Law, it will happen. Here's the bottom line, y'all. We live in a fallen world. Scripture tells us this. Rain falls on the just and the unjust. Rain falls on those who follow God and those that don't. But I think, unfortunately, what we have been taught in cultural Christianity is that if you follow Jesus, you have less problems, which if you actually study Jesus's life, that is like totally not true. Like we're called to follow Jesus, not cultural Christianity. And if we follow Christ, we're going to encounter suffering. We're going to encounter persecution. We're going to encounter people turning their backs. So think about Jesus. When the, at the moment when he needed his friends the most, they were sleeping on him. He was in the garden, sweating drops of blood, yet his friends were like snoozing. They denied him. We've got to stop thinking that just because we follow Jesus, we're going to have less problems. Y'all, we live in a fallen, broken, messed up, jacked up world. It will happen. Tragedy will happen. Trials and tribulations will happen. Job loss will happen. Income loss will happen. Losing relationships will happen. 
Political chaos will happen. Dealing with difficult people will happen. Dealing with your crazy husband will happen. Dealing with your crazy wife will happen. Your feelings will change. It will happen. So don't be surprised. Welcome to Lifehouse. We're really encouraging. But the bottom line is don't be surprised. Actually, you need to get ready. Because it's not if it happens. It's when it happens. And I want to help you get ready for it today. I want to help you get ready for it. Luke chapter 6, 46 through 49. This is a parable Jesus told. This was right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So basically here, this is Jesus summarizing everything he said on the Sermon of the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was one of the greatest sermons ever preached. Talked about adultery, talked about love, talked about giving to the needy, talked about prayer, talked about oaths, talked about treasures, where, where's your treasure at, talked about how to treat those who don't like you. Uh, it, was, it, it was full. It, it talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Um, just go back and read Luke 5 and Luke 6, but he, he, he summarizes the Sermon on the Mount with this last parable about the wise and foolish builder. And basically here, Jesus takes the concept of building and teaches the people something. Um, we're going to actually check it, it out here. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49, it starts off with this. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? We could stop right there and preach. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord of your life, yet you don't want to submit to me? Um, Jesus goes on. He says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like the man. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep. Everyone say dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, not if a flood came, but when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. A couple things here. Jesus here says everyone is building a life. He says the concept of building, he used houses. He said was basically telling, telling you, telling us, we are all building a life. We're building, like we're gonna, like what we are building is going to show, like we are building a life. But Jesus takes, um, says this, he says that there is a wise way to build your house, to build your life, and there's a foolish way to build your life. And basically he says this, there is one of two ways to build, wise and foolish. Number two, Jesus focuses on the foundation that these houses are being built on, the sand or rock. Jesus doesn't focus on what color the paint is on the wall. So Jesus isn't saying, when you build your house, make sure you've got a great roof. He's not saying, make sure you have really cute, open concept. He's not saying, make sure you've got an incredible paint color. He's not saying, make sure you have a cool, flashy backsplash. He's not saying, get granite countertops. He's, 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 he's not saying any of that. Why? Because Jesus goes deeper than just the surface. Jesus wants to know, what are you building on? What are you building on? So Jesus focuses on this story, not on the surface. He focuses on the foundation. 
Because the truth is this. What you're building on determines the strength of what you're building. What you're building on determines the strength of what you're building. And I don't know if you feel this, maybe it's just me, but I feel like so many areas of our life right now are just on thin ice. Do you feel it? It's kind of just like, it feels like at any moment the rug could be pulled out from any particular area of our life and things could be completely different. I just feel like we live in such a changeable, shakable world right now. We're literally at any moment our economy could flop, right? 2008, it could be 2008 all over again. And there's nothing we could do about that. Hurricane, they could, you know, that could roll through. I mean, look at Florida. Think about how different those people's lives were last Wednesday. No control over that storm. Literally, we're, we're, we're just in the way. That could happen here. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. At any moment, sickness could ravage your body. Nothing you could do. I don't care how healthy you are. I don't care how many blueberries you eat. Or how much hummus you have. Or how much water you drink. This isn't fun to think about, but I want us to get us thinking of all the things in our life that we put so much security in and that we build on and that we find purpose in and that we find identity in, that literally at any moment, all of that stuff could be taken from us. Think about your kids. So many people build their, their purpose and, and their identity on their children. They're, they're, they're my world, we say. God forbid something happened to them. We live in a shakable world where there is not many things that we can get a firm footing on. And let's just be honest, our soul longs for something solid. Our heart longs for something almost rock-like that we can stand on and build our life on. And that's why I think Jesus summed, summed this whole parable up, summed this whole sermon up. He said, you know what, let me sum this thing up by let me asking what and who are you building your life on? If you're building it on me and what I say, let me tell you what it is. It is like you building on the rock, but if you're building it on what you want, on, on anything other than Jesus Christ, you are building on what he calls on solid ground. And what is the big difference be between those? One is solid, one is secure, one isn't shifting, one is not moving. Sand, it is going to shift and move with whatever comes and hits it, whatever storm, whatever flood comes, whatever it is. And so the question that Jesus is getting at, the question that I'm trying to dig down deep in you with is who or what are you building your life on? Verse 46 and 47, Jesus says, let me show you what a wise builder is like. He says, a wise builder if we could put that back up, Luke 46 through 47, it says, let me show you what a wise builder is. It is those who hear my words, who hear my words. You know, you can hear something without hearing it. Jesus said this. He said, you can be hearing, but never understanding. 
You can hear words, but you just take the words and they go in one ear and one out the other ear. Jesus said this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? What he was saying there is, why do you call me Lord of your life, but you don't have a desire to obey what I say? Because I think many times we simply want a savior of our life and not a Lord. We want a savior that says, I'll save you from hell. It's a get out of hell free card. But yo, if you want like any input into my life right now, no thanks, I'm good, I'll build on me. And that is what Jesus is getting at here. He can't be Savior or Lord. He's got to be both. If Jesus can save your soul, he's got to have direct influence and control, not just then, but now. And what you find in that is you find a security and you find something solid to build your existence on. But then he goes on. He says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like they're like a man building a house who dug down deep, went a little fast there, dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. He says, here's my words and put them into practice. I've, I've said this many times before that in, in our society, we have, so much, we have so much knowledge, yet so little obedience. We are educated beyond our obedience. We are educated beyond our obedience. You know, it's like I, I just, you know, one of my constant prayers is, God, help me to obey what I already know. I can always say, God, give me a new revelation. God, give me something deep. I want something Stephen Furtick deep. Like, give me something that rocks my world. God, give me a teaching. Give me something new. Give me something fresh. But I just sometimes hear God say, you haven't even obeyed the last thing I told you. So why would I tell you something fresh and new when you won't even obey the last thing that I said? And I believe so many times you're like, God, give me something fresh. Give me something new. And it's like, God's like, you won't even obey what I told you. And, and, and so it's like, I think some, sometimes we, we need to pray that. Matter of fact, why don't we just do it now? Everyone pray this after me. God, give me the grace to obey what I already know about you. Give me the grace to obey what I know about your word. Amen. Let it be done. Because here's the thing. It's, it's, I mean, really the truth is knowledge doesn't do a whole lot. And that is, is, is what Jesus is saying. You hear the words, but you don't do it. We don't have a listening problem. We have an obedience problem. When you really break it down, what separates maturity from immaturity is obedience. When you really break it down, like I can tell my son is getting what I'm saying, not when he just gives me this. And I know he's thinking about playing Fortnite or playing Madden while he's looking at me, and he's not listening. He's nodding to make me happy. But do you know what really lets me know he got it? When he does it. When he does what I ask him to do. One of, one of my biggest concerns is that people call Jesus Lord but don't want to do what he says. And that can be convicting. That can be really, really challenging. 
But at the same time, Jesus equates obedience with building a solid foundation. Why? Because it's like sometimes, like, I think some of us obey God for kind of like a season, and then we're like, well, nothing changed. Nothing was different. I didn't feel anything. Just, you know, I'm just done with this. When it's like, you know, God can only be faithful if you give him time. Like, God's faithfulness so sometimes, like, it, it, you got to give it more than a couple weeks, more than a couple months, maybe even a, a couple years. Like, you've got to be patient with God's promises. Just because he doesn't change everything like that doesn't mean your obedience doesn't matter. Doesn't mean that your obedience isn't building for you a solid foundation. I'm concerned that we want God's blessing on our, on our lives without living by God's standards. It's kind of like we want the blessing of God, but at the same time, we want to make what those rules are. Where we want to get the benefits and the byproduct of God's blessing without living by and following God's standards. Does that make sense? Because, let me give you a small example here. Anybody need some peace here? Anybody here? Like you could use some peace inside of your heart. Some peace. Maybe today you are here and you're so frazzled. You, you literally feel like you're being blown in the wind. Like your life just feels it is utter chaos. You don't feel secure. You don't feel solid. You are just swaying back and forth. And you're like the smallest little thing would set you off. One more thing would just break the camel's back. And, and, and you would be in ruins and you would be in shambles. Maybe you feel like that today. Maybe you feel like I, like I need the peace of God. A supernatural peace. Because true peace isn't when it's all good out here. A true God-like peace is when it's all up in here. That when there's chaos going on around here, there's a peace inside of your heart that says the peace that God gives me isn't dependent on what's going on outside of, of me. I got a peace knowing whose I am and whose I am, and I know who God is. And that's what gives me a peace that surpasses anything I could really understand. Check this out. Philippians 4. This is what Paul, Paul says here. This is absolutely crazy. And, and this is connecting God's blessing by living with God's standards. I would say that we would all want peace, like we need peace in our lives. This is Paul here. He wrote this book to the church in Philippi that he planted. And just notice he's not writing this from some island in the Caribbean while sipping a dockery, virgin dockery, of course, while sipping a dockery. And sitting under a big ha- and sitting in this big fat hammock, telling people what he's going to tell me. He's writing this from a jail cell, a Roman jail cell that that is in the that is in the ground, nasty and disgusting. And what he says here, he says, "Rejoice, rejoice, praise God in the Lord always." I'll say it again, rejoice. What can make a dude that's locked in a daggone Roman prison say rejoice? It's not his outside circumstances, is it? 
It's not what's going on around him. It's what's going on within him. He says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. Look, basically he's saying, calm down, chill out. Don't, don't be a stress ball. Let your gentleness be evident. Then he says, the Lord is near. What do you mean the Lord is near? Paul, you're in jail. Yep, he's, he's near me. He's right beside me. He's in me. Then he says this, do not be anxious. Oh, yeah, Paul. You're not in 2018. Living in the United States. Got financial issues. My kids are being crazy. I got student loan debt up to my ears. My employees are dumb. I don't get it. Like, they just don't do what I want them to do. I got so, I'm so stressed, Paul. I'm so anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. Really, Paul? But in everything, in every situation, everyone say every, that, that, that word there, Greek, in the Greek, actually means every. <laughs> every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, presents a request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, we all want peace, but is this your pattern to get peace? Right? Is this your pattern? So you want the Bible, so you want peace, but when you get stressed, you run to some sort of drink. If you're anxious, you get a glass of something. When you're stressed, you get a pill. When you're stressed, you get a, some, some sort of really un, unhealthy comfort food. You run to the wrong source, but you expect the byproduct. And you're like, God, why don't I have peace? Is your first instinct to buy in every situation by prayer and petition to present it to God? Are y'all seeing this? We wonder why we don't have peace. We wonder why we're so stressed. Is this your pattern? Do you say every situation I'm going to go into prayer. And here's the thing. Prayer isn't, isn't just like, okay, cool, let me throw one up to God. Yo, God, I need your help. But prayer is a, conver a conversation. Prayer is saying, I'm going to set aside some time. And that's what I'm saying. we got to be careful, y'all, that, 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 that we don't say just because something is hard that we say we can't do it. Because here's the thing. What matters to you, you will prioritize the time for. You, you just will. And I know we're busy. We have busy lives. We have so much going on. But it says, I think sometimes we can make an excuse for why we're so stressed out when really the problem is laziness. We don't want to be disciplined with our time to say, I'm going to set aside disciplined time to get into the presence of God. Why? Because I'm stressed, anxious. I can't handle this. So I need to give it to the one that can handle it. So I'm going to take it and put it in his hands by in everything, by prayer and petition, present my request, but also take time to not just give it to him, but also listen back. And this is the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. My desire for you is for you to have peace, but what I would ask you is what is the foundation you're building on to try to get that peace? Is it a drink? Is it a pill? Is it food? Is it some other sort of comfort that you're running to and going to besides the presence of God? Do you see this whole thing? We want the byproduct, but we don't want to obey the standard. And that is just one example. But really, when, when you really break it down, like, I counsel people. And let me tell you what, really, the end in counseling, like it's, it's not telling people 
What to, because I could tell them what to do all day long. I just ask questions. Okay, you're stressed. Yes. Why? Somebody at work is really getting, just ticking me off. I can't stand them. Have you talked to them? No. Do they know you're mad at them? No. Okay, so do you think maybe if you talk to them and let them know, maybe y'all could talk it out? Yeah, maybe. It's, 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 it's like, it's, it's not the fact that I'm trying to get people to do something. It's simply not just knowing, but it's obeying. And so, but Jesus equates obedience with building a firm foundation. And that's what we've got to, to see here. It's not just listening, but it's saying, I'm just not going to listen. I'm going to now do. Why? Because we want a peace. We, we, we want the peace, but do you pray? Do you draw near? The greatest sign of what? M- maturity is when you simply obey. When it doesn't make sense, when you don't completely agree, when your feelings don't always line up and your friends say you should do something different. The greatest sign of Christian maturity is to obey. And this is something that I think Christians are terrible at, including me. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself. Why? Because we want the byproduct of God's standard without living that way. And so my challenge to us is if we're going to build a foundation, it begins with obedience, Jesus says. James 1, through 25 says this. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a it's like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and he continues it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be what? Blessed in what they do. You know, I believe that in this shakable world that we live in, Jesus offers us exactly what our soul needs, exactly what your soul longs for, exactly what what what. You're dealing, Jesus offers you a firm and secure foundation. I love what, what Hebrews 6 says. Whenever Paul here, or whoever the writer of Hebrews is, we're not 100% sure, but it's talking, if you could actually put that up, Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6, one of these days, Hebrews 6 is going to get up there. Okay, we'll go by faith. (laughs) Hebrews 6. Praise God. This is what it says. He says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and and secure. And, And what this is saying here, whenever it's talking about we have this hope, let me give you the context here. This, right, the context here is it's talking about this guy named Abraham, who God told him, you're going to have a baby, and, and through your son, the world is going to be blessed. He said, through your offspring, the world is going to be blessed. The only problem is Abraham was 100 years old. And I don't know, I don't know many 100-year-old people, but I don't think they're going to be procreating for obvious scientific reasons, right? <laughs> so God gave him this promise. He's 100. It's not there yet. 
I can't imagine being Abraham. God told you something like, your body's getting wrinkly by the day. Nothing happening. Your wife's old. She don't even, she don't, she, she doesn't even want to look at you probably. She's sick of you. Y'all been married for like 80 years. You're like done. But you've got this promise from God. So you've got what you see and what God has promised. What do you do there? When you see something that God's promised, and, but you see reality, and that's what I love here. Romans chapter 4, it's talking about this whole thing, and it says, Abraham accepted the fact that his body was dead, but he did not waver in what? Unbelief regarding the promise of God. So he acknowledged the fact, I'm old and impotent, but I know who God is. He's a God that doesn't lie. He's a God that comes through. Even He's a God that makes a way even when it seems like there's no way. And so but take that into this context right here where he's saying we have this hope. And what he's talking about, the hope of God's character and the hope of God's word. We have this hope as a what? Anchor for our souls. I love that, that phraseology there. Anchor for your soul. Why? Because that is exactly what you need and what Jesus offers. Your greatest need is what Jesus offers. That in this shifting world, this changing world, where anything at the drop of a hat could change in a moment, an instant, without any notice to you. Without any notice to you saying, hey, you're going to get sick tomorrow. Hey, something's going to happen to your child. You're going to lose your job tomorrow. Because life, it doesn't give us notice. Right? It does not give us notice, but if you're building on the right foundation, when it happens, you'll be ready for it. Why? Because in the midst of a shakable world, Jesus presents to us and offers us an unshakable foundation. That in the midst of a changing time, we're at a moment's notice, anything could change. People change, circumstances change, relationships change, jobs change, incomes change. People's opinions of you will change. Your feelings will change. But what God's promised us is an unchanging love, hope, grace, truth, and forgiveness that doesn't change. He offers us an unshakable foundation in the midst of a shakable world. Hebrews 13 tells us this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what your soul needs is a same. What your soul needs more than anything is a constant. Why? Because so much of this world isn't constant. But what Jesus offers you is a constant, firm, secure foundation to build your identity and existence on. Come on, somebody. Isn't God good? Your soul's greatest need is Jesus' greatest desire. Some of you are flailing right now, and you know it, and you're trying to hold yourself together. You're trying to act like it's all good. You're trying to act like it's just a season. You're trying to act like, well, you know, we'll get through it. And you've said that the past 13 seasons, and you're not through it. And it's because you're building on the wrong foundation. Because you're building your identity, purpose, and, and existence on something or somebody that can change. And that puts you in fear and anxiety. But if you shift, and you know what? Sometimes God will destroy our house so we'll see what foundation that we're building on to help us say, man, we need to shift. 
I need a new foundation because what I've been building on is not gonna hold what God wants to build in me. Do you guys see this? So my, my prayer for you today is I don't know where you're at, what you're building, what you're building on. My prayer is that you are building on the, the, solid, the solid rock of Jesus Christ, the unchangeable nature of Jesus Christ, that in this shakable world, you can have an unshakable foundation. And that happens not through listening. That happens not through coming to church. That happens through obeying the word of God. That, that happens by you saying, I'm just not going to listen. I'm going to do. I'm going to obey what I know instead of just saying, oh, I need something new. I need something fresh. I need some better teaching. No, you need to obey what you already know. Paul goes on here. Or excuse me, G, uh, Lord Paul. Which one is it? Paul, Jesus, one of those people. Uh, Jesus. Luke chapter 6, really, really quick. If you could actually throw that back up there. But he says, I, I, you know, they're like a man building a house you dug down deep. You know, God, I don't know if, if, I mean, when you feel God working on you, it's literally going to feel like God is digging deep in you. It's, like it's gonna hurt. Like it's gonna feel like there's dirt moving. But you know what? If God moves, if God moves it out of you, it's dirt that you don't need. And He's moving it out because He wants to get to the rock. He wants to get past the surface, and He wants to get down to what He can truly build on. And many times, that's a hard process because it's scraping stuff out of us that we think is better, but God sees and he knows it's not better. So he'll do that to us and it's like he'll dig down deep. Why? Because he wants to build something incredible. I don't think we need science here to know how, how tall and big you build something. The foundation has got to be able to support that. Some of you are trying to build lives that your foundation will not support. You think if I get money, I'll be good. You're building on sand. If you think I just need a husband, and I'll be good. My life will be made purpose. I'll have purpose now. Sand foundation. If you're building, I need a wife, a good wife that cooks and cleans because I'm a mess. Sand. Are those things bad? No. But it's not a foundation you need to build on. So y'all, that, that, is, that is my challenge. Stand up with me. What foundation are you building on? Obedience digs it deeper. Obedience is what gives you obedience and how deep your obedience is is a direct correlation to how deep your foundation is in the kingdom of God. And my desire is that we would not be people that hear the word of God and just whatever we hear and we do. Even we obey even when we don't understand. We obey when it doesn't feel right. We say, I know what God has said, so I'm going to trust that in spite of what I feel. I'm going to be like who? Abraham, who said, I'm going to trust the promises of God more than what my current circumstance, situation, or feeling is. Obedience. An anchor for your soul that you need. Let's pray. God, we just love you. We thank you for, for this moment. We God, in this shakable world, we need something unshakable. We need somebody unshakable. I feel like at a moment's notice, anything could shift, anything could change. Father, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would bring, God, that you would center people, 
that you would reveal to them what they are building on and there would be a change and there would be a shift of saying, I've been building on this and I need to switch that to building on the rock of Jesus Christ. I need to quit just hearing. I need to start obeying. I need to start obeying what I already know. So God, do that today. Do that today in people's hearts. Really, really quick. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just, just, just want to create a time of privacy here. Maybe you would say, John, look, I've, I've never even made a decision to follow Jesus. I've never even made a decision to give my life to, to Christ and, and, and kind of just say, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, like, I'm going to build on this foundation. Just right now in this time of privacy here, I just want you to, if you want to give your life to God and, 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 and you want to accept what Jesus did on the cross for you in your place and for your sin and have your sins forgiven, your hope restored, your life redeemed, to, to start building on this foundation that Jesus gives us. Just head bowed, eyes closed. Just go ahead and say that prayer in, in your heart right now. Just say, God, I give you my life. That's as simple as it's got to be. God, I give you my life. Just, just do it right now between you and God. I'm telling you, God sees your heart. He knows your heart. And God receives that. God, right now, I pray for each person that just said that prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness and grace towards them. And we celebrate with them the decision and choice that they've made today to give their lives to you and start to build on the foundation that is unshakable, that is unchangeable. If you did say that prayer today, would you tell someone right after service, next steps booth, simply come out there and just say, hey, I said that prayer. If we want to give you a couple different resources to help you along this brand new journey of following Christ. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much and God bless.